Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, November the 13th, 2023, and I am delighted to be with you. I hope that everybody had a fantastic weekend and that your week ahead is looking fantastic. Maybe you will find this on November 13th, 2023. Maybe you'll even be here at 6 a.m. when this is posted, but maybe it'll be sometime later. Doesn't really matter. Whenever you find it, it's because the Lord has brought you to it, and I'm glad to have this time with you. Um, where we're picking up today is just where we left off last time. If you're new here, we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Acts, um, and where we find ourselves today is in chapter 17. If you recall, the last time we were together, we saw something different, and I mean really different because we saw kind of a paradigm shift, right? Go all the way back to Jesus and Jesus' preachings and teachings, and you see that his chief opponent group was the Pharisees, and they disagreed with Jesus, obviously, over lots of different theological things. Remember, I talked about it the last time when Jesus would make his I am statements that you see throughout the gospel according to John. Oh, the Pharisees would go nuts because they knew what Jesus was doing. He was claiming to be God. They're, they're ripping their beards out, they're tearing their clothes, all these different things because of the theological implications of what Jesus is saying. Fast forward to the book of Acts. You see more Jews having major issues with what's being said because, y'all, they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. It's as simple as that. They rejected Jesus. And here you have the disciples, now apostles, and then other disciples out there preaching the good news of Jesus, and they couldn't stand it. But what we came to the last time we were together on Thursday is really a shift because instead of being infuriated over the doctrine— Instead, you find Acts chapter 17, verse 5, but the Jews were jealous. And this is coming right after the fact that, that Paul is there. They, they came to Thessalonica. They're preaching the gospel. Um, verse 4, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, and is, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. And the next line is, but the Jews were jealous. In other words, they saw the whole world going after them. And this does, while it's a shift in the book of Acts, it does harken back to Jesus, right? Remember when Jesus was, they wanted Jesus arrested, the guards did not, all these different things happening around Nicodemus. And one of the Pharisees commented, see, the whole world is going after him. And it's true, y'all. I mean, definitely many of them would turn away. But here you see the church being built. You just can't stop the church. And it's a beautiful wonderful thing, right, to see the Lord at work. But what we see next is rather interesting because we see the aftermath, and it's going to sound like a familiar story, familiar in, in terms of chapter 16 when Paul cast out the demon from the slave girl. Now, uh, without any further ado, I've given up enough introduction. Let's see what happens, and then we're going to meet a very important group a group that ought to inspire us, a group that we should be uh, aspired to be like. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, for the power of your word, for the beauty of the story of, of how your son has built his church and is building his church. We are grateful that he has kept his word. We are grateful that we are the recipients of such great promise. Please fill us by your spirit now as we go to your word. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 
All right, before we get to this special group, right, that, that we should aspire to be like, let's first talk about what happened next. Again, let's pick up in verse 5, John, or excuse me, Acts 17, verse 5. It says, but the Jews were jealous. This is after so many people were converting to Christianity. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. Now, time out. Again, I, I just gave the hint away before I prayed. This sounds a lot like chapter 16, doesn't it? Right? Where Paul does something, some people get angry, and then they go and they whip up the crowds, right? They, they get the crowds agitated, angry, so they can go to the officials. It's a little bit different, right? I mean, because this is actually the Jews starting a riot. And side note, you know, what must this have looked like? Again, verse 5, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. You know, I always think about, you know, are these guys, you know, chewing on a toothpick leaned up against a corner post? You know, they, they flicking their Zippo lighter? Well, probably not that. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, this, this is a rough bunch, Right. And so you have this fascinating thing take place where they go and they, they start a riot and then they whip up a mob. And because they're jealous of Paul and Silas and the others, they decide to blame it on them. Classy, right? Classy. But you know, this isn't the first time that the Jews, the Pharisees would resort to such things. Won't be the last, right? To spread lies. You see, they had this pragmatism thing going on, right? where the ends justify the means. And it just so happens that the more holier than thou a person is, the more uh, self-righteous a person is, the easier it is for them to be pragmatic. And the reason being is that they often pride themselves on how faithful they are. And then they say, well, you know, uh, my intentions are pure, so the ends justify the means. If I have to bend the rules to get to what God really wants me to do, then it's okay. Oh, y'all. Lies are always terrible. The lies that we tell ourselves are the worst. Anyway, that's what's going on here. Now, another thing that I have to mention here, again, the second part of verse 6, they rush to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Now, what? who is Jason, right? And, and why? It's fascinating. Everybody else at least gets some sort of introduction, like, like Lydia, for instance, right? If you, if you flip back to chapter 16, verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. Well, that's what we get for Lydia. We don't get much of anything for Jason. We can deduce from this that if, if the Jews are coming to find Paul and Silas, they rush to Jason's house. Jason is their host, right? In a, in a couple of minutes, we're going to see that it's entirely possible that Jason was a man of means. Um, who is he? Most likely, he's a God-fearing Greek with a name like Jason. But then again, Jason can be the, uh, the, the, the Greek you know, the, the term is Hellenistic, right? Where they take a name and they turn it kind of Greek and for the sake of the Romans. I know, very confusing. Romans were, were obsessed with Greek stuff, right? Greek Hellenism after Helen, the goddess. Anyway, the, the Hellenistic form of Joshua is actually Jason, but it's most likely that he's one of these God-fearing Jews that became a Christian. He's hosting them. So they rush there. They, they bring this crowd. Verse six, 
But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Y'all, there's no other way to say it. Boy, these Jews are slick. Man, alive, they are slick. Because so much of what they say there is true. And it's counterintuitive to them, and it shows their jealousy. I mean, their jealousy is transparent here. Oh, it's just rabble, you know, they're causing trouble all over the world. Well, they were. Because the gospel couldn't be stopped, you see. And it shows the power of Jesus Christ. And, and then they go with this business of, hey, they are defying Caesar's decrees. It's so convenient for Pharisees to worship Caesar when it fits them. Remember what they said when Pilate called out, behold your king? They said, we have no king but Caesar. All the other times they're looking for a Messiah to deliver them from Caesar, but let's not, you know, uh, split hairs here. The point is, is that they betray themselves and they speak the truth despite themselves. In their jealousy, in their rage, they point to the truth. Indeed, Christianity was going all over the world. And indeed, there was another king, King Jesus. The difference is, is they weren't really guilty of doing what the Pharisees said. That the picture that they're painting here is that these men are insurrectionists, right? They're revolutionaries. They're trying to rally the people to disobey Caesar and to follow Jesus, which doesn't match up with anything that Jesus said. And besides, the kingdom of God is so much bigger than a plot of land. It's so much bigger than even a worldly empire. He's King Jesus, king over all. As Abraham Kuyper said, there's not one square inch of the universe to which he cannot point and say, my. Why? Because everything's been placed under his feet, according to God's word, according to Hebrews, according to Philippians, and you can keep going and going. He has that name that is above every other name. And despite their jealousy, their jealousy betrays them, and they do actually speak truth. Verse 8, when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Read between the lines here. It took a chunk of change, right? They had to grease the palms. That's all it came down to. This is why we can presume that Jason is a man of means. Later on, when Paul writes the, the letter to the Thessalonians, one of the things he's going to deal with is hucksters, right? False teachers that go looking for money. And we find out there that Jason has been taken from some. Or, or for some money, right? And they have to deal with them. Outside of that, we don't really know much about Jason other than he's a believer that loves the Lord and supports the church. Therein is a lesson, though. And that is, is that the Lord expects us to serve with that or from that which he gives us. And no, this, is, this isn't me becoming a televangelist, right? This isn't a, if you deny me before God, I'll deny you before men. I, I have no KFC bucket to pass for you to put in your loose change, all that, that stuff. That's not what this is about. But Jason does give us an example of what to do when the Lord gives you, presumably, an abundance. You know, Jason, it was incumbent upon him to post bail for the whole group. The Lord gave him the money. You see, Jason, while we don't have the inside track on his heart, we have his actions. One can only deduce that Jason's perception of this is that the money's not mine anyway. It's the Lord's. 
that is the case with every resource we think we have, you know, whether it's money, time, energy, intellect, service, it doesn't matter what it is, y'all. The only thing that we have is what the Lord has given to us. And so Jason himself has given freely here. Now, that's the end of this saga in Thessalonica. We find out about another group next, right? And we'll start with this now, and, and we're only 12 minutes in, but I don't want to get too deep into this. But it says this, verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers, which by the way, the brothers, it's just referring to the group of believers there, right? It says, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were of noble character, or, or excuse me, were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, this is that special group that I was alluding to earlier that we should ascribe to be like. As we just read, they are more noble than the Thessalonians. But why? What makes the Bereans more noble? Two things. We just read them. And this is our, this is our devotional thought for today. How are we to be more noble? What should we aspire to do? Two things. The first thing is, it's right there in verse 11. For they received the message with great eagerness. Let me ask you something. How do you receive the word of God? whether reading God's word or whether hearing God's word preached. How do you receive it? Eagerness is a broad term here. Eagerness encompasses lots of different things. Eagerness encompasses just what it says, being eager, being excited, being ready, ready to hear, ready to learn. Eagerness also implies a certain appetite for hearing God's word preached and taught, for reading God's word right? A receptivity even, being receptive to God's word. Listening to God's word, whether in your own personal time reading it or when it's preached and when it's taught, listening to God's word with the expectation that the Lord is going to work, with the expectation that God is going to change you, and with the knowledge that it is just that that it is the word of the Almighty God for the people of God. That's the first thing that makes the, the Bereans more noble than the Thessalonians. That's the first reason we should aspire to be like the Bereans. But the second is given there too. Again, this is in verse 11. For they received the message with great eagerness and, number two, number two's not in there, I'm adding number two, and, Examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Y'all, a principle is given there. Whether it is when you read God's word for yourself, whether it's when you read a book that talks about God's word, whether it's when you listen to music about God's word, whether you hear a sermon preached, a class taught, whether you're here for a daily devotional, are you examining the things that you put in your old noggin there, the things that you commit to your heart? Are you examining these things by God's word? I hope so. 
right? This is why the pastor that you choose is very, very important. And that's awkward for me to say that because I are one, right? I, I get that. There's a reason why we have a stringent process for pastors in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, including formal education. If you don't have it, you can't get in, right? And you got to learn Greek and Hebrew and all those different things, and that's good. But y'all, it's still incumbent upon you to back up what is said through studying God's word of your own. You know, there's a reason why when I preach, for instance, there's a reason why even in these daily devotionals, what are we doing? Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now, this is different than a sermon. It's a devotional. I don't do the same thing with this, though it's, it's remarkably similar to a sermon, admittedly, okay? But it is incumbent on you to make sure that the things that you listen to the things that you store away, the things that you take to heart. It is important that you always examine those by God's word, including the things that I say to you. Why? Because I'm a human being and I can make mistakes. It doesn't matter who it is, it, it, the greatest preacher alive, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You always need to evaluate everything by God's word. Also for the simple purpose, the simple reason that God never, ever condones what his word forbids. Did you hear me? I'm going to say that again. God never, ever condones what his word forbids. We are called to be people of the word. We won't read it today, but go to the book of Hebrews, right? And the author of Hebrews is talking about the people rejecting the word of God and rejecting salvation as if they're the exact same thing, because they are. It is called the word of God because it is God's revelation. It's where he reveals who he is, who we are, what he would have us do, the means of salvation, how we are to live our lives, all of it. Everything in life is captive to the word of God. Now, this is where we're going to pick up tomorrow, and we're going to talk about the end result of this. But that's your challenge now. Number one, are you eager? Number two, do you evaluate everything by God's word? Do you check up on me? I encourage you to do it, and not just me. The music you listen to, the preachers that you watch on TV may or may not, the, the, the sermons that you hear, all of it. Evaluate it all by God's word with the eager expectation that the Lord is working. As we read through the scriptures, there are many groups that we could aspire to be like, but again, there are few more noble than the Bereans. Let us have that same eagerness and that same vigilance. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I thank you for everybody here. Please work in our hearts. Oh, Father, work in our hearts that we would trust in you more and more, that we would be eager to receive your word, and that we would examine all things in life by your word. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. If you're local here and you want to support a good cause, then call the church office, get in touch, and, and let us know because we would love for you to come by and pick up a dinner this coming Saturday night. It's our annual Thanksgiving dinner. It is the sole singular youth group fundraiser for the entire year. And all oh, y'all, it's going to be wonderful. All you have to do is call the office and Stephanie will take care of the rest. Um, but we would love to see you there and have you as a part of this time. I'll say more on that tomorrow. Again, thank you for being here.